0: Harvey and Ponzana's is as they are right now. You're gonna look for them. Or Cheneca, who knocks down another USF-3. Ledger Walker takes Harvey to the hole.
1: Missed it. Murakatete battling, and Mononga comes away with it. One more basket for battles, and that will do
0: it. The American champions for the first time, USF.
1: All right, welcome back to another edition of the Fletcher and Fowler podcast here. We get you ready for USF women's basketball is officially back on the court tonight. The women will welcome UTRGV, or University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. They will come to the Engling Center uh, on the day this podcast drops, so Tuesday, November 9th at 8 o'clock. Uh, That'll be the back end of a doubleheader as the USF men's basketball team will play Bethune-Cookman University uh, on Tuesday night as well. We'll have some more on the men later on. I was trying to get um, that podcast recorded, just kind of got lost in in, in what was last week. I will kind of explain where my head has been at over the last week um, here in a minute with the podcast, just um, trying to... You know kind of get back on track here as is, is, is it's officially crossover season. Uh, if, you know, like we mentioned when uh, Kelly Hines was on the program, uh, you know, crossover season, especially in November, is really, really, really rough for your friendly neighborhood local journalist. And uh, this is no different. And you know, last year we really didn't get a chance to, to have it because the men, you know, only had a few non conference games, the women only had four and we you didn't get a chance to really see it again and it's full glory um but crossover season is rough for me it's more the um end of basketball season to uh the softball season in um march that's really rough um just because of how the sheer amount of softball games i i cover in march so that's kind of worse for me but but this one ain't a joke this year like it's it's not I mean, looking at looking ahead, like to next weekend, um, USF plays Auburn. The men do at Amelie Arena on Saturday or on Friday night at seven, and then I've got to get on a plane to New Orleans the next morning to go to USF Tulane in the morning. So, if that's any indication about where my head's at, and you know, then uh, ironically enough, where. Play by play, excuse me, color announcer Joey Johnson is that. We were talking about it today. Today's Jeff Scott Presser. And uh, we're kind of in the same boat. So that's just a glimpse, you know. Uh, and then the women, obviously, you know, they won't have as many home games to cover because of the sheer amount of MTEs that they're per- playing in uh, the Bahamas tournament. And then West Palm later in December uh, obviously won't get a chance to have as many home games, but there's still games to watch on TV. And Uh, For sure, with with the way that the women are, uh, that is going to be appointment television. As you know, over on Bulls 24-7, we of course cover men's basketball just as we should, just about every single night. And uh, we cover women's basketball over at Bulls247.com. So if you are fairly new to the website, fairly new to the podcast, that's what we do. We do cover women's basketball. We are one of the few sites on the 24-7 Sports Network that does. But why not? They've been one of the best teams on campus uh, over the last half decade. I, I really, really enjoy women's basketball. It's a, it's a, it's a grand time. Jose Fernandez is terrific. Uh, they're all really, really good people over there on the women's side, and they're just getting better and better with with the talent that they're bringing in on a uh, year in and year out basis. So, yeah. So that coverage kind of starts to today. Uh, get you get you ready for USF women's uh, game against UTRGV tonight. Uh, we've got none other than than play by play broadcaster Derek Sharp on the program today. He'll come on in just a few minutes uh, to talk about the preview and there's some good talking points because of course you know USF won the American Athletic Conference regular season and championship uh, tournament for the first time in program history and uh, first year after UConn left and. Well, that's great and all, but but uh, at the end of the day, they they still were a second round exit in the NCAA tournament, and they got a, a an eight seed. So we'll talk about that quite a bit, and you know how much that uh, that eight seed really 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 encouraged the uh, encouraged Jose Fernandez to schedule a lot tougher this year. Granted, you know he always puts together a really non conference schedule, but this is easily probably the toughest one he's had uh, since he's been here. Um, I mean, you've got quality opponents, you've got at least potentially three of the Final Four teams from a year ago, in Yukon, South Carolina, and uh, defending national champion Stanford. So you've got three of the last, you know, three Final Four teams from 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 last year's Final Four. You've got NCAA tournament, you know, talent in in West Virginia. Ole Miss is supposed to be pretty good in, in those two games down at West Palm. You've got uh, you know a game against Syracuse. You've got a game at Tennessee. You've got a lot of these teams that are that are very very good NCAA tournament type. Type teams, you, you could meet Oregon in that in that uh, battle for Atlantis. You could meet uh, Buffalo, who gave USF treble in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. You know, you've got all this talent in on this schedule that's absolutely huge. So we'll get into that, and we'll talk about that with Derek, and talk about you know just how last year really, really, really compelled uh, USF to um, go ahead and schedule like they did. So we'll get into that with Derek. We'll also talk about. Uh, the newcomers and who is new to USF's roster? Spoil alert! They reloaded their roster uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, with uh, with adding a former JUCO, one of the best players in all of junior college, and Patience Williams, and and Odeth Betancourt was a solid uh, recruit out of high school, out of junior college as well, I believe. Same with uh, Bella Weary was a talented recruit coming out of uh, DME Academy on the east coast of Florida. Um, you know, and that's and that's not even mentioning. The two Memphis transfers that USF got, who we'll get into later on um, in the program. USF really, really, really did a great job of, of finding talent over the offseason and getting them into the program. So we'll talk about that with Derek, we'll talk about uh, some other things regarding USF and where they stand and their NCAA tournament hopes, and, and, uh, and of course we'll have full coverage from tonight's game from both the men and the women. Over on bulls247.com, as always, excited. We're going to be doing some 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 cool VIP content over there with some some deeper analysis. So I'm excited uh, to to start start rolling that out. A hat tip uh, to our to our NC State guy, my guy Corey Smith, and uh, our Wake Forest guy. Apparently, we're uh our Wake Forest folks we're we're splitting this whole cool little uh, PFF style system. So I'm excited to see. Uh, how that goes out, they get deeper into the game a little bit and numbers and all that good stuff and 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 yeah. So, um, but yeah, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, to so the Fletcher and Fowler podcast, we appreciate you hopping on. Uh, obviously, uh, it's been a little bit of a weird like week or two between um, the Houston game. Obviously, I had a preview recorded, just didn't get a chance to put it up um didn't get a post game recorded after ecu houston i know i know i know it's it's just been a terrible it's been it's been a rough week i had to get a new set of tires on the car i had to drive back from north carolina it just was like one thing after another but obviously that's no excuse we're back in action and uh yeah so we should have plenty of podcasts coming up this week we'll have uh the women's one today i'm hoping to get something with the men recorded later on in the week i don't know and then um Of course, we'll have some stuff for Cincinnati uh, when they come to USF on Friday. But again, if this is your first time listening to the Fletcher and Fowler podcast, uh, we are on the four major podcast distributors between Apple, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So if you're checking us out in the megaphone.fm embed in your favorite browser, we encourage you to take a look at some of those other streaming options if that's where you get your podcast. But regardless, we do appreciate you listening. And if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, we do appreciate you coming back around. Uh, if you are feeling generous, feel free to give us some feedback. It's uh, My personal Twitter is at WTurner247. My DMs are open, always looking for feedback on the podcast as well as uh if you won't feel like you want to drop us a five star rating over on the Apple Store that would be terrific as well. Um we would we would love any feedback that we get as we continue to grow this within the USF space. Uh make sure to take a look over at the deals at bulls247.com as we get uh very very close to signing day here. Uh we are now just uh 35-ish days away from signing day, which is going to be coming up sooner than you think. So make sure to check out the deals over at Bulls247.com. Get your first month for $1. That's cheaper than, I'm sitting in a Starbucks parking lot recording this. Yes, another parking lot record intro, whatever, leave me alone. Cheaper than a cup of Starbucks coffee, cheaper than Buddy Brew, cheaper than a Cigar City beer, $1 for your first month. And then $9.99 after that. Uh, you could also, if you're feeling like you want to hop on for for a full year, we've always got our 30% off annual deal comes out to just about $6 a month, which is still cheaper than a Cigar City beer. So, you know, if you want to take advantage of those deals over at Bulls247.com, we would be glad, glad to have you. So, without further ado, let me get into the interview portion, uh, kind of a talking por- portion since Derek and I basically work together. Uh, But Derek Sharp from USF Bulls Unlimited uh, joins the program now on the Fletcher and Fowler podcast to talk USF women's basketball as the Bulls get ready for their season opener on a Tuesday night. And back now on the Fletcher and Fowler podcast is the USF women's basketball play-by-play guy, I guess is the best way to put it, the, the Honorable Derek Sharp. Thanks a bunch for coming on.
0: Well, honorable is definitely not the right way to put it, but yes, I will. I'll go with guy, play-by-play guy, and that's uh, that's the the next and the latest line of play-by-play events. We got soccer and volleyball, and looking forward to the hoops next.
1: Yeah, it's it it's it's the crossover season, which for us is is like the 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 worst time of year. But for you, it's even more so because of so- because of soccer and volleyball. I don't even cover those typically, but. Keep you busy, trust yep, me. Yeah, especially it's with better. the women hosting the NCAA tournament again, and and it's got to be it's got to be awesome to be a part of all of that. But uh, obviously, here talking on our women's basketball preview, um, a- another uh, successful season. Hopefully, for the women, went nineteen and four last year. Back to the NCAA tournament, won the American Athletic Conference championship, regular season and tournament. Uh, and then lost to NC state in the second round of the NCAA tournament as an eight seed. And, you know, we'll get plenty into the whole seating uh, situation as we get deeper in. Cause you know, <laughs> that's kind of what we've talked about the last, uh, you know, week and a half, two weeks with Jose Fernandez, but just. Uh, you've gotten some time to, to, to spend with the team. Uh, what's just kind of your overall uh, thoughts heading into the season with, with a, with a pretty, hefty roster in terms of returners you get most of your starting you get all of your starting lineup back and then some some key role players
0: yeah that's the thing I mean everyone that's
1: back they did
0: lose a couple um back to the Czech Republic went uh Christine Robinsova and I think that's a moderate loss um then a couple other players that frankly didn't get much time last year so yeah they have their whole roster coming back and then some and uh, I mean Uh, the overall thought is they're going to be really good. I just, it stands to be seen still how they're going to be good compared to the schedule they're playing. I mean, they could be better than last year and definitely not have the same record. It could be worse. It could be in the, in 30 games, we're talking about maybe 10 loss range and still be a better team. So we'll find out real quick how much better they are than last year, because they're going to have to be, improved to improve the record there's there's no skating by with this with this schedule
1: yeah usf head coach jose fernandez has, has completely uh done a fantastic job with the scheduling uh tennessee syracuse uh a, a battle with either uconn or minnesota and then a battle with ncaa contender or final four last year south carolina or oregon or oklahoma or buffalo who's been yeah. solid in recent years then you get to play Stanford, the defending national champion. Uh, about a, four days after that, VCU won their league last year, if I remember correctly. High Point won their league for the first time in school history and was an NCAA uh, tournament team. West Virginia uh, was was a top Not sixteen 20. team in terms of R- R- RPI towards the end of the year. Just the schedule doesn't get easier they, through the first non at first like ten to twelve non conference games. I mean. Um, just when Jose was, was scheduling this thing, he didn't, he, you you and I both know he's not going to duck anybody.
0: Well, they definitely wanted to beef it up as much as possible because, and this was all before the big 12 news, because frankly, you look down the line, they're going to have to keep doing it because Cincinnati, UCF and Houston might actually be along with USF, the best four teams in the conference this year. I know Tulane can get into that mix but realistically that's probably your best four teams and you're losing three of them season after next, I suppose. Uh, so having that down the road, all of your conference strength is going to not all of it. Obviously you don't want to get carried away. They are going to add some teams as we know, Right. but the ability to build your RPI once you get into conference, see you later. So you're going to have to build it going in. That's why you have to play not just the big schools, but, rounded out with schools like VCU and High Point, as you mentioned, Ole Miss is a really good example. It was actually originally going to be Texas Tech in West Virginia, but Texas Tech fell through and Ole Miss actually might end up being a better team. So Mm. there's another good example of how things changed relatively last minute. And then Stanford was the actual last minute ad. I'm trying to think of who they had coming back. They had another game on their schedule that it wasn't even close. It wasn't even a top 100 team. And when it Because I get the stuff ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. Disappeared. I'm like, hmm, it must be, they must be planning on something then after uh, Thanksgiving because there's a little gap there. And (laughs) nope, there's no gap anymore. You add, and this says a lot for the program. I mean, you add Stanford, it wasn't just let's dial them up. It was knowing that Stanford was going to be at a separate event after Thanksgiving and that the Bulls were already there in the Bahamas for their. Previous event, which is difficult enough, and they basically heard that Stamper's like, "Well, listen, we don't want to make this trip and only play two games." Right. So well, that's how that happened. um But it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And as you know, especially with UConn in the past years, they would lose to UConn and go up in the RPI. Well, that's the same kind of principle we're looking at with this schedule.
1: Yeah. If
0: they start winning these games, they're going to go. In, they're going to be in the top ten for sure. Right.
1: That's why
0: they're whatever they're ranked right now is irrelevant because if they will start winning, it's going to go sky high.
1: They're ranked uh, 21st in the initial AP poll, if I remember correct. It's about right, yeah. Yeah, I which which is yeah, kind of yeah. underselling what's left on what what's on this roster. But you know, you mentioned you start winning and all that kind of <laughs> goes yeah. away.
0: Exactly. That's that's my thing when people uh, talk about why are we ranked then. Not, in general, I'm not just talking about USF. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they lose a couple games and magically they don't really care about where they're ranked anymore. So believe me, you're not going to care if they lose because they'll drop. If they win, trust me, they're not going to stay at twenty-one. There, there's no CFP conspiracy here <laughs> if they win they will go up and go up quick Where well,
1: we, you know you you know jose jose pretty well um just how i don't know if impacted is the right word but just uh, i guess when they were scheduling this year how much did that you know poor taste in their mouth of getting an eight seed in the ncw tournament with the schedule that they played granted you know Baylor was 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 still getting pretty good Mississippi State ended up dropping off but you know you have three borderline NCAA tournament teams in your in your own conference between UCF uh Houston and Tulane last year uh you know how much did last year's poor taste in the mouth about an eight seed influence the schedule this year
0: a ton absolutely a ton and it was it was strange last year because if you sat back and looked at it Actually, if you would have given me the 12 teams in the tournament that were seeded one, two and three and not told me what their seeds were and just gave them to me in alphabetical order and said, "Okay, forget what your seed is for USF. You get to pick two out of these 12 and one of them is going to be USF second round opponent. Actually, I would have gone with NZ State. So in the bracket, it wasn't that terrible. But in general, getting seeded eighth like they were, especially if you look at the team they played, Washington State barely above 500 now they're getting run this year but in essence they were considered to be their equal because once you get towards the middle of that s curve you know the teams are considered equal obviously eight versus nine um and listen we know that in the past the seeding wasn't as relevant as the geography was concerned i know that a a few years ago last time they made the tournament before last year was when they were the sixth seed but that was only because fsu was the three seed fsu fsu had been the four seed the Bulls would have been the five. If FSU would have been the second seed, the Bulls would have been the seven. I mean, they were going yeah. to go to Tallahassee no matter what. Last year, geography wasn't a factor, and that's why I think it really stung mm-hmm. because if NC State was, again, FSU, same principle that I just applied, but in this case, it was actual seeding and what the program was considered, right. and that that didn't go over well. So now there's no way. And Ultimately, what you want to do, of course, is get a top four seed. There's no way they're going to get shafted if they, if they succeed against the schedule and if they win the conference championship.
1: Right. For those that that, you know, maybe not were were up on the tournament last year. Um, last year, the entire tournament was held within San, the San Antonio and Austin, Texas area. USF played, of course, uh, of course, they had to go play in Austin.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, there were point. only three games in Austin. Three. Exactly. That's Everybody why I was even more pissed. And I can tell you from being there, that's a long drive. <laughs> I
1: that's took a track train. It took a train up. Um, so, yeah, so so I know. Uh, the, the entire tournament was held between San Antonio and Austin, Texas, last year, and um, all neutral sites. You know, the Alamo Dome, UTSA was a host, University of Texas was a host for, for three games. I'm trying to remember who there was, I think they might have used a convention center or something else. There was a D2 school, which I cannot
0: remember the name of that also yeah. hosted one day. And then once it got down to the you know second round, it was all between the three bigger schools. And when I say the schools, the Alamo Dome.
1: Yeah. The, games. yeah actually- the Alamo Dome was the big one. Uh, they had two courts set up. It was a very, very interesting setup, especially for media that didn't travel with the team. I get put up in the in the pretty much in the in the sky boxes. Oh,
0: yeah. That was definitely as far away as I've been calling a game. And, and, and I actually had just gotten new glasses. And oh, that's right. If I had not, that would have been bad. That would have been really bad. It would have been a lot of, and the Wolf Pack, and NC State. Actually, in, in all truth, that the, the Fort Worth situation for the conference tournament, I was about the same high, but I could have called the game on the jumbotron. It was beautiful. Dickies oh and yeah. The and Alamodome,
1: supr-
0: Alamodome, surprisingly not not the case. It was just yeah. uh, kind of cavernous. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was, it was definitely different. And even though the Bulls traveled well, uh, just didn't have a, honestly did not have an NCAA tournament feel. It just didn't.
1: It, no. it, it had the
0: feel of a, yes, you knew it was an important game or games, but with no crowd or such a small crowd, it just didn't feel like it.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. That was a, that was a weird, weird thing. And, and with the way that that all, uh, I guess was, was, was handled or, or however, and the way they all set it up, you know, uh, obviously with the inequities with the, with weight rooms between the men and the women and and all the other things that were a topic of last year, um, yeah, it, San Antonio did their best, and it was and it was a nice, sure. uh, fantastic effort. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're doing, things needed to go back to normal, um, this this year, and hopefully back to normal uh, means that USF will be a part of it again. Uh, when you when we take a look at this roster, uh, you know, uh, obviously you're, we talked about the starting five returns. You get Pinzon back. You get uh, Sydney Harvey and, and Elena Chenecki back, and and you get Betty, uh, you get Betty Manunga back, and you get Shea Leverett back. You get your entire starting five, um, especially between you know the four and the five between Monunga and Leverett. I mean that's a that's a huge, you know that's huge to get them to stay right. um, and not and not choose to to graduate or go pro. When you see that four and five return, I, I think if we were all kind of like, oh, this team has a chance to be something special next year.
0: Well, it was funny because I thought it when it happened in their last game, and then I asked Shay about it. She said, "Yeah, you're right. They got in foul trouble, and yep. their last game was awful. because not not how they played, but just because of how it went down. And we found out that NC State Star Center, you can't touch her, and if you do, it's a foul. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it got on my nerves. Usually, I go into a game not saying, all focus on the officiating, but it really hurt them." Mm-hmm. and two things with that one I said Shay, did the way your season ended your career quote unquote ended getting fouled out like that make you want to come back she said I decided right then and there mm-hmm. so thank you officials in the second round of the NCAA tournament for Shay Leverett's return but also what happened there is the fact that their depth really got tested and because it hurt them in the NCAA tournament, at the biggest stage, they decided to, if they could, add somebody via the transfer portal. Yeah. And they happen to add who I believe is going to be their starting center. Shea Levert probably is willing to accept this, too, the type of player she is. But Dulcey Fangamengiadu is amazing.
1: She's I, amazing. I appreciate you saying her last name. So I have to, no I'm problem. sure you're going to have to.
0: She also goes by Dulcie, thankfully. Uh, but, um, but she is, she's like Betty Menunga, but I think four inches taller. She's six yeah, four. she's
1: six, six, four. Yep.
0: And she's same way. She goes for every rebound. Uh, she's money around the basket. She's got developed an unbelievable set of moves. She gets the ball. She can post up outside the block and it's over when she gets the ball and she'll swat your shot and she'll yep. grab every board. So unfortunately they can't play Shea Betty and Dulcie at the same time. That's why I asked the question of Jose yesterday. Yep. So one of them's going to be out of the rotation, but the second, Even if it's in the first quarter, one of them gets a foul and you don't want to chance a second foul. Boom, you can make a change and that's going to be enormous. So yeah, you talk about the players that are coming back and they can all shoot the ball. Elisa is tremendous, uh, but also the new players that they brought specifically for Memphis alone are going to make a huge difference. And the other one being Ariel Wilson, who is confirmed as a backup point guard. So Pinzon doesn't have to play 40 minutes and you don't have to worry about a drop-off. However many minutes she
1: sits out. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. No, that <laughs> for, she was playing 30, 35, 36, 40 minutes a night, you know, every every single night. It was it was kind of crazy. Uh just you know how, how but but she played well when she was in. She played really, really, really well. And that's why she was extremely deserving for the most important most improved uh player last year in the league. I, I'll ask you this question since uh since Jose, since Jose kind of skirted around it yesterday. Um, what do you think is the next step for, for Lisa Pinzon and, and what she needs to, to do to, to, to really vault herself even further? Cause I mean, as Jose said, she's, she's easily a top 20 point guard in the country, uh, right off the rip.
0: Probably just step up her defense a little bit. The one thing she does do a good job at is, you know, swiping at the ball without fouling because when she's having to play 40 minutes, none of that's going to happen with foul trouble. Uh, but that's essentially they have a couple of players that they know and when I say they know they know and the players know Maria Alvarez comes to mind being another Cindy Harvey actually being another that uh, they gotta work on that part of the game a little bit so yeah she's almost a complete point guard if she could sprout up three inches she can work on that uh, but i'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make her do that so uh, that's it but she is pretty much complete as you can be I remember the first year was who was gonna be the point guard yep. and yeah uh, it was Pinzon was a player who's since moved on to Liberty, I believe, that hardly played any for the Bulls. So that was a no-brainer decision. But yeah. now the interesting part of it is um, how Wilson is going to get phased in because she was a player that started right from the get-go two years ago for Memphis. She has been their starter at point guard. Not as good of a shooter, but definitely a point guard. She and Pinzon led the conference 1-2 in assist-to-turnover ratio. <laughs> so that's notable enough that they moved – Last year's backup point guard Mihala Lazic actually, she told me she's kind of the two now. She's going to be shooting okay. guard, which is something that hasn't necessarily been announced. But there you go.
1: Yeah, and if there were if there were a few players talking, talking about the Memphis transfers in themselves, if there were two players that or three players that down low gave USF the most trouble, it was Amari Thomas from Cincinnati, uh-huh. uh huh, Mia Davis from Temple. Yep, and Dulcie from Memphis. Those yep. were the three players that gave USF the most trouble down low. Amari ended up going to UCLA, I believe. Correct. Yeah, um, I think Mia Davis is still at Temple, and she obviously, is, and, and, and then they get and USF picks up Dulcie. So you know, <laughs> the the one player that really really gave you a hard time ends up joining probably the best the best roster. Uh, in the conference, taking a look at some of the other new additions real quick. Uh, Patience Williams is 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 a name that I was kind of really intrigued uh, mm-hmm. when she came in uh, from uh, Florida Southwestern State JUCO, one of the best JUCO players in the country. Uh, I think I asked Jose that during his first availability this 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 fall. Um, how did uh, she? Uh, Jose said that she's pretty much going to have to earn her minutes. How do you see? Uh, patience and some of the other newcomers, and maybe an in court. I know she hasn't had the best preseason, per Jose, and um, you know even a Bella Weary or, or or an Ariel Wilson. How do you see everybody kind of fitting in or um, to the rotation this year?
0: Well, it's frankly, it's going to be easy to remember this with Patience. She's going to have to live up to her name <laughs> because I mean, right now she would be the backup at the four, obviously to Manunga, right? But I just don't see, I, I think what's going to happen is if Betty's out of the game, you're going to have Dulcie slide to the floor. Hmm. I just don't think you're going to have between those three posts, two of them sitting at the same time. I just don't see that happen. And in other words, Patience Williams is going to just slide in when there's foul trouble. But she's a great addition, no doubt about it. Right. Uh, you mentioned Odeth Betancourt. She is somebody that can handle the ball well and try. Uh, transition she's got a nice mid-range uh, not a three-point shooter they've got enough of those um, but <laughs> yeah again really wants to jump into the rebounding uh, scheme of things and so I don't see her need necessarily being needed to be called upon a, a lot because she if you look at it would be the person that kind of takes the Sova spot but it's just in Sarah Guerrero is looking like She's actually going to be that person.
1: Yep. So, talked a lot about
0: what her. Talking about she's just so natural. And you could see it last year in glimpses, but she just never had the shot start to fall. And that can mess with your confidence. But um, she doesn't actually have to shoot the ball to have an impact on a game. She's a great ball handler, great distributor of the ball. Um, the only catch with her is, you know, when, where is she going to slot in? Because mm-hmm. uh, so your first three are going to be pins on Harvey and Elena Chinecki, obviously, and then we just talked about the posts. So I think Sarah is going to be that first player off the bench. But, again, the minutes, and then you go into somebody like Ariel Wilson. Um, we'll, we'll see about them. You mentioned Bella Weary. I, I truly think that this is just going to be, in essence, a redshirt year for her because – it's kind of what I
1: figured with the depth on the roster.
0: You look at her, and she definitely looks like a freshman now. She's got a great head on her shoulders – She's very talented. She can score the ball. There you go using college basketball phrases. Uh, But her her dad was an NFL player, uh, went to Florida. She's got that sort of athletics genes running through her veins, and she is going to be somebody that we get really excited about eventually. Uh, This year, we're just going to see her, and we just hope, and this is how it is in college basketball these days, right, that she doesn't get discouraged about lack of playing time. Mm -hmm. Actually talked to her, interviewed her, and and, and she's, I I think, without saying it kind of – Ready for that to be the case. So, as far as newcomers go, I know that Sarah Guerrero was the one we focused on, and she's not a newcomer, but she really is because yeah. she, she didn't show what she could do last year. As far as Betancourt and Patience Williams, those being the two junior college transfers, um, I would see both of them filling a role, but right now, no more than 10 minutes per game role. Wow. Then Christina Bermejo is the other one who, frankly, would be more natural at the backup four. Uh, and and maybe a three if you're going smaller, uh, bigger I should say, but she has been dinged up and she's still probably a ways away before she's been on crutches. She's probably a ways away before she comes into the lineup. But the good news is, they they don't need everybody to be healthy right now. Right. They, right. They're that, they are that deep.
1: Right. Yeah. No. This is I think this is the the deepest team since that that Jose's had. Is it is White it Fox maybe team. is it maybe too 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 extreme to say that.
0: Um, I'd have to go back and look at it, but no, it doesn't sound extreme at all, and um, you look back at some of those NCAA tournament teams, and and frankly, they were going seven deep. That was it. The first year that I was here, I did all the games, obviously. There were games when, if they did play seven, the seventh person did not get double-figure minutes. So this year, that's not going to be the case. I would see probably Four, three players get significant minutes off the bench each game, between 15 and 20 is what I call significant, and that that really is. And then an initial ninth and a tenth player, maybe playing 10 each, as opposed to you know just coming in for a two-minute spell. So yeah, that's that's depth for you. And I haven't done the math, but I believe that's there are 14 on the roster. So if I've just said 10 and it stops there, then who's going to get left out? I mean, that that's a, like they say a good problem to have
1: yeah absolutely especially considering uh my first year covering covering the team which was the uh 18-19 season which was the infamous injury season uh that's uh you know that that was absolutely 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 terrible uh to see um and then you know but uh they have they have definitely moved on from that. And, and it's, it's, it's terrific to see what, what this team is, has continued to done and the continued success. Um, one, one fun one for you. Are, are you ready to go to the Bahamas? Cause you've got at least four games in the Bahamas.
0: I uh, know that's, that's a tough one. I don't know if I'm going to be ready for that. <laughs> I liked last year. Last year is if you give me a choice of sitting in a studio with Steve Carney. An Emily Arena with no crowd noise and sort of manufacturing the energy and going to the Bahamas. I'll have to get back with you on, on that one. Uh actually Bridget Miranda is fun to sit in the studio with. But uh that for people that don't know, that's how we called the road games last year. And you know, we got excited, but you can't hear what's going on, especially if obviously road games, you don't have the crowds into it. You have to sort of after the fact note that that Houston loss that they had last year, the crowd was really, really hostile but we had no idea it's yeah. like you, you know you got to have that part of the broadcast so right. having said that i guess that there's not much hostility in the bahamas but we'll, we'll find <laughs> out for you i would guess that uh yukon travels a lot of fans
1: yeah i imagine so.
0: should be traveling a lot of fans this year it's yeah. fantastic that that is going to be a, a key trip because everyone's going to focus on the fact that yukon is there but honestly these mtes multi-team events um the last few years have not been good for the Bulls. Um, The scenery's been great. Um, Actually, the first year, they did go 2-1 and in that one. Uh, That was the close loss to Notre Dame where Loxa scored 41, then they beat Washington State, and I want to say St. John's. But then, so that would have been three years ago when they went to the Virgin Islands and they lost their first two games, gave North Carolina and Kentucky battles, but lost, and then they beat UCLA, which is the team that made the Sweet 16. But then last time out, When they went to, they had the one canceled last year. What did the Bahamas last year? So we're talking about
1: 2019. That would have been Cancun. Yeah.
0: It was fun and all, but they went 0 and 3.
1: And then the Vegas trip after that
0: 0 and 2 in Vegas. So they've got, I'm not saying they got to go 3 and 0 or 4 and 0 in the Bahamas. I'm I'm, honestly, a split would be great compared Mm -hmm. to what they've done and uh, would be realistic. But also a big improvement because the alternative obviously is 0 and 4, 1 and 3. So it's not just fun and great scheduling. They they've got to come up with a couple wins. And yeah. I think UConn's gonna to be too tough, but we'll see. And if they end up playing them, that's gonna be because they beat Syracuse, which they can do. And yep. then you look at the team that they would fall into on the other side and probably gonna be a darn good team. But uh, that would rise them up to two and two. I think that's that's gonna be telling. And then yep. of course the Tennessee games before all that, and I think they got a shot a shot in that one
1: yeah i think so i think so as as well uh that tennessee game is gonna be interesting i think that one will be fun it'll be third third game of the year it'll be a monday night part of that aac sec challenge um yeah bulls fans that want to see the team you're not going to have very many opportunities to do that um you're going to want to uh, to come out on either the first two nights of the regular season between uh university of texas rio van Valley rio grand dad, valley dad, nice try buddy who we have uh, established is in the Rio Grande Valley and is in Texas, according to Jose Fernandez and uh, Courtney Williams's Jersey will be hoisted to the rafters for the Alabama state game on November 11th. That'll be a Thursday night. And, uh, and then after that, you've got to go a month and four days uh, before they're back in the England center to take on oh. Stetson and high Point, And then uh, a two game swing at the West Palm invitational and then Jacksonville uh on the 29th to finish uh 29th of december to finish the home slate so not a lot of opportunities to see the team this year
0: i'm telling you you, you got to be honest with it their best their best opponents are their road games yep. and their trips and so come to the engling center for sure as the crowd always does but this will be the year to make some road trips and you just brought up everyone's focusing on bahamas like me but west palm <laughs> that's gonna be a big that trip. trip schedule that trip uh, those are two, again, very important games. Who knows if things don't go well, and I think they will, but say they, they have, have some close losses and say they're going into that one, two games above 500. Those are the last couple of games before you get into conference. Those are going to be important games. Yep. And West Virginia, as you said, top 16 the, this year, they're in the top 20. And Ole Miss is a team that's got a very dynamic coach and they, they really improved last year. I know they went to the WNIT. They were one of the last teams left out of the field. And they added, you might recognize this name, Lashonda Monk.
1: She was the mm, guard yep. for
0: ECU, the all defensive yep. player. Yep. Those are the two big players that left. Well, you mentioned Mari Thomas. So three, Jucelya Jordan went to Mississippi State. She was the yeah.
1: I was so upset when Jucelya Jordan transferred out. I loved getting a chance to watch her. She was fun. Yeah,
0: she well, Mississippi State liked her too. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, LaShawn DeMonk is on that old Miss team. So that's going to be an even better unit.
1: To, uh, wow. I didn't realize she transferred out. I didn't realize yeah, she yeah, did so.
0: it's it's going to be fun, but yeah, I would say try and schedule some road trips this year for sure. Yeah.
1: Derek, uh, how can everybody, uh, follow what you do and, and listen on, uh, when the bulls are on the road? Uh, obviously you'll, you'll, you'll be, uh, traveling quite a bit. You'll, you'll get your frequent flyer miles. Um, how can everybody follow you, support what you do and, and listen to those, uh, fantastic interviews that you've done with, uh, pretty much all of the women's team and all of the men's team
0: i think we've talked to everybody except patient so uh again she's gonna have to be patient
1: um
0: <laughs> thank you see the um channel is usf bulls unlimited it's on iHeartRadio. radio so obviously if you don't have that app download iheart and uh, just type usf and it pops up we actually have two channels we alternate the programs and all the games are on between men and women's uh, every sport if you want to listen to usf athletics play by play it's on one, of, one or two of those stations. And then uh, if you want to follow me every day, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Derek Sharp, E-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, and every morning on Bulls Unlimited, the daily show Bulls Beat. We do highlights. We do interviews. We do all sorts of stuff, information, news. And then if you miss anything, we've got a SoundCloud page. Just go to SoundCloud type USF, and you'll see it's the unlimited unloaded page. That's where we put all the interviews. So if you want to go back and listen to all the women's basketball, like you say, men's basketball interviews of... Basically, the entire rosters—they're on there now. Appreciate you asking.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Derek. You do a, a fantastic job. Always one of the hardest hardest workers around. I'm always seeing you you you, uh, you around USF at pretty much every darn event. Michael Kelly gives me grief for for being around all the time, but I'm like, Derek's here more than I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you do a great job too, man. Thank you. I You're appreciate making, making the road
0: trips making the road trips that that really does impress
1: me i will be i should be at the west palm games i don't know i don't have a passport so i won't be able to go to the bahamas unfortunately but i'll make those west palm beach games for sure cool. um those will be those will be fun trips and then of course the conference tournament as always and in, in fort worth and then uh any uh, ncaa tournament stuff after i'm excited to do that. that i had a lot of fun with that last year but uh yeah, Derek, appreciate you coming on. I know you're you're super busy with women's soccer and all that good stuff. So thanks for thanks for coming on.
0: You got it. Well, no problem. Good seeing you.
1: All right, Derek Sharp with USF Bulls Unlimited talking USF women's basketball will be right back on the Fletcher and Fowler podcast. All right. So again, appreciate Derek for for coming on the podcast. Uh, Derek is 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 someone that I've worked with for. Uh, pretty much since I got into to journalism over on the high school side. So it's been fun getting to know Derek over the years. He he is one of the hardest workers around USF between all the stuff he does for USF Bulls Unlimited. Um, obviously, to, he he does some Tampa Bay Rowdy stuff as well. So if you're interested in that, he does do some Tampa Bay Rowdy stuff for the Tampa Bay Times. Um, and, and Derek just does a fantastic job. Um, and check him out and Bridget over on uh, USF Bulls Unlimited for all the Women's basketball play-by-play. If you're not able to get to a TV and watch it, and honestly, uh, with some of the announcers on ESPN, I'd tell you right now, watch the stream, watch the ESPN stream, and listen to the radio broadcast. as Derek and Bridget do a fantastic job, and uh, are probably more knowledgeable than a lot of people doing um, anything regarding you know ESPN broadcasts. So uh, I know they meet with Jose Fernandez on a regular basis, as do we in the media room, but. Derek and Bridget are are fantastic at their jobs for for play-by-play. So, again, appreciate Derek for hopping on. Appreciate you for hopping on and listening to the podcast here as we count down the hours to, hopefully for USF, their title defense in the American Athletic Conference as they look to win two in a row uh, for the first time in program history. Uh, within the American Conference. Again, if this was your first time listening, we do appreciate you you joining us and and taking a chance on on us as we continue to grow this within the USF space uh, here throughout the next couple of weeks. And make sure to check out the deals over on Bulls247.com as signing day for football is just 30-ish days away. So make sure you get all the latest news. There's going to be a lot of transfer portal stuff, obviously. Some more high school momentum. I think November is going to be a huge month for USF, and that's what I've kept saying. Uh, obviously, with Eddie Kelly from West Orange making his commitment uh, last week, that was big. So uh, I think the program will continue its momentum heading into the later months of the cycle. So make sure to to keep taking a look at that, and uh, appreciate everybody for for listening, and we'll be back uh, very soon, later this week, with either a Cincinnati preview or we're going to bring Louis Gachette on and talk defense with him or something of that nature. We'll have some we'll have some different content this week um, podcast-wise, so excited to bring that to you. Um, again, appreciate everyone for listening. Have a great rest of your morning, afternoon, night, whenever you might be listening to this podcast, and we'll catch you later uh, here on the Fletcher Ian Fowler Podcast. WHAT?!